Well, I'd like to uh, welcome each and every one of you to the abundant life. The life that God wants to give you, the life that God wants to lavish upon you, each and every one of you as Christ followers. That was N.T. Wright. Uh, N.T. Wright is probably, in my opinion, the leading, foremost evangelical theologian. Uh, and it's not just because he has a cool beard and cool glasses and has a British accent. Okay, it's because he's really a deep thinker and a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Here's what Jesus said in the New Living Translation, that same passage that N.T. Wright quoted, John 10.10. Jesus says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life, a blessed life. Now, that's a life I would really desire to have. Now, how many of you would like that kind of life? Raise your hands. Okay, good, about seven of you. That's great. I don't know what the rest of you want, but that kind of life, that abundant life, uh, sounds amazing to me. Well, what is it that we want? How would you define an abundant life? Does it mean living life with lots of things? Maybe that's part of it. Um, some of the things that we desire to live a full and satisfying life are things such as good health. Uh, now, last Monday, Sherry and I went to have our physicals, um, our yearly physicals. Now, normally we do these separately, but Sherry wanted to do them together, okay? It's not usually what I want. But, uh, so we, but here, here's a little health tip for you guys. Uh, don't have your male wellness exam with your wife in the room, okay? It just doesn't work, you know. Nobody wants that, you know, so. Uh, but we want good health, right? And we want happy children. And we want financial stability. And we want, and there's nothing wrong with it, we want a certain amount of possessions and accumulations, not the kind that the TV preachers talk about, you know, where you can have lots of money and stuff. That's ridiculous. But we want things to make our lives comfortable. Now, I have a friend who just purchased a new car. And it's not just any new car, it's a really cool new car. And when he told me about it, I think he was kind of trying to mediate uh, what I would think about it. He, didn't, he shouldn't care what I think about it. But he said, I, I bought this new car and, and this is what it is. And he said, um, I really have been blessed by God. You know, and you know, you say, okay, well, you know. Maybe you've been blessed by intel. I don't know. But uh, the fact is, yeah, I can understand how you've been blessed by God, and, and that's okay. Because, um, you know, you have a new car, a new home, or something. that's good. That you're, you've been blessed by God. Well, <laughs> there's, this begs the question. Now, how many of you remember the little wristbands we used to wear? WWJD? Remember those? Okay. What did that mean? No. What would Jesus drive is what it meant. <laughs> One theory is that Jesus would tour around in an old Plymouth because the Bible says God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden in a fury, okay? So maybe that's what Jesus would drive. Or uh, in Psalm 83, the Almighty clearly owns a Pontiac and a Geo. The passage urges the Lord to, quote, pursue your enemies with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Now, if you've ever had a Geo storm, you know how terrifying that could be. Um, perhaps God favors Dodge pickup trucks.
because Moses' followers are warned not to go up to the mountain until the ram's horn sounds a long blast. So maybe that's what uh, God drove. Or how about this? Moses apparently drove an old British motorcycle as evidenced by a Bible passage declaring, the roar of Moses' triumph is heard in the hills. Must have had no baffles in his motorcycle. And then finally, some scholars insist that Jesus drove a Honda, but didn't like to talk about it. As proof, they cite a verse in John's Gospel where Christ tells the crowd, for I did not speak of my own accord. Thank you very much. I did not speak of my own accord. So it's a given, right? We're blessed. We're middle-class Americans in the United States. We're blessed to have things, homes and cars and things, but the true blessings of God, the true abundant life that we read about in Scripture is something altogether different. It can't be measured in garage size or portfolios or real estate holdings. The blessings of God to His children, that's to you and to me, are much richer and more significant than temporal things. How are the blessings, the abundant blessings of the Father given to you? Now, in the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about God's amazing grace and His abundant blessings that He wants to lavish upon His children. But the kind of subjects that I've chosen in this series are not the things you would normally think of. Normally, you'd say, well, we've been blessed because we've been raised in a free country, or we've been blessed because we've been raised in a place where we can have a good job or a good education. Those are all blessings indeed. But I'm going to talk to you about counterintuitive blessings, Things you don't normally think of as God's blessings to you. Things like, next week we're going to talk about what it means to be blessed to serve. How blessed you are to serve other people. The following week, blessed with a burden. That'll be an interesting one, very counterintuitive. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be part of a family. And the last week, blessed to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are blessed and highly favored. That's what the psalmist said. Now, I want you to say that to me. I want you to say, I am blessed and highly favored. Let's say it together. I am blessed and highly favored. Now, say it again like you mean it. I am blessed and highly favored. And so you are. This morning, by way of introducing this abundant life, this wonderful life, I'm going to invite you to a party. This is your invitation to God's blessings to the abundant life. This is your invitation to the kingdom of heaven. And the only question is, as we go through the message, you can ask this question over again, will you accept his invitation to God's party? Now, Jesus came and he said, I'm going to throw the most amazing party ever. It will last for eternity. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It starts now when you become a follower of Jesus and it lasts forever and it's filled with joy and music and great food and I hope fishing and fellowship and our host, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be there for all eternity. It will be amazing. It'll be awesome. I didn't know how to describe this, so I'll just use some of my history. It'll be crunk. It'll be awesome. It'll be fat. It'll be radical. It'll be groovy. It'll be neato. It'll be the cat's meow for those of you who are older than me. It will be amazing. But Jesus warned, not everyone will be invited to the party. And not everyone who is invited 
will accept the invitation. I think all of us realize this time of year, we're coming up on graduations and weddings and baby births and all of these things that kind of happen in the spring. And uh, if you've ever been invited to like a wedding or a graduation, uh, uh, you had to be on a list. Somehow you got your name on a list that you are important enough to that person to be invited to their graduation or to their wedding. And it's a very honored position. You are honored to be invited to a party. Well, that's what I want to say to each and every one of you today. You are honored and blessed to be on God's invitation list. You're honored to be on His list. Now, we have a godson. His name's uh, Brennan Murphy. And when he was getting married, uh, I was helping with the ceremony. This is years ago. Uh, Brennan's mom was coming up with all of these names of distant cousins that they'd never seen or didn't know anything about, and they're going to all come in for the wedding. And Brennan, Brennan said, you know, I don't want somebody I couldn't pick out of a police lineup at my, at my wedding, you know. Make sure that the, the invitations are special, you know. Make sure that somebody that you're inviting to the party really matters to you. So uh, my darling wife, uh, when we moved here a few years ago, she turned 50. And it's a big deal, right? 50 is a big deal. And so I thought, where, what can I do? Because every year I do something amazing for her, right? And so it has to be better than the last year. I'm running out of ideas, by the way. Uh, anyway, so her happiest place on earth is the happiest place on earth, is Disneyland, right? So I planned this surprise party at Disneyland. Invite our kids from, at the time they were in Colorado and I forget where else, and yeah, in Oregon, and, and our kids, our friends from other churches, we've served friends from here, and we invited them to come over, and we had a party, a surprise at Disneyland. But you know, that list was pretty short. I'll tell you why. Not because she doesn't have a lot of friends, she has friends everywhere, but it's going to cost some money, and it was going to take some effort to get to the party. So when you send out an invitation, you want to make sure that that person is important to Sherry, and Sherry is important to that person. Listen, you are invited to God's party. You matter. You're on the list. He's given you a special invitation. He wants you to come to his party. Now, you would think that for a party as grand as the God party, as the kingdom of God party, it would be the religious people who would be invited, right? It would be the bigwigs. It would be the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the wealthy, the well-heeled, the educated, the smart, the well-dressed. It would be all of those people that would be in the A-listers, right? Brad and Angelina, Pope Francis, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Katy Perry, whoever else is hot these days. These are the A-listers. They would be the ones invited to God's party. But surprisingly, it wasn't them that were invited at all. It was the common man, the common woman, the housewife, the shepherd, the tax collector, the person that didn't know how to pray very well, the person that didn't know how to think about God very well. That party, probably most people didn't think they would ever get invited to. So let's take a look at that first grand party. Jesus comes to town. He's baptized by his cousin John. John says, this is the Lamb of God. Big deal. So Jesus goes out and starts ministering to the people in the community. And he does incredible acts of healing. 
He raises people from the dead. He heals them of tremendous diseases. Now, I'm not talking about little tiny miracles that we call miracles today, like, oh, God gave me a parking place. No, he didn't. Some Chevy pulled out in front of you. Don't, you know, God doesn't care about your parking place. He doesn't care about your ingrown toenail. You know, he, he, he cares about these big things. And, and, and God came and he did these incredible acts. So, so, so lame people were walking. Deaf people were hearing. Lepers had brand new skin. And listen to what it says in Matthew 4.24. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics, and he healed them. He was a healing magnet. I mean, thousands of people were following him. They couldn't believe what was happening. Now, they weren't followers, but they were following him because everybody wants the bright, night, shiny new star, right? The new person, the new group, the new thing. And they were following this bright star. Matthew 4.25 says, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. People from everywhere were following him. He touched them and he healed them. People ripped off roofs of homes in order to hear him teach. And he always taught the same exact message from 4. 423 that says the good news of the kingdom the good news of the kingdom that kingdom where there's no sorrow and no pain that kingdom that lasts forever that kingdom that begins now when we become with Christ followers and that lasts for all eternity the kingdom that we dwell with with Jesus and all those who have gone before us the kingdom the good news of the kingdom so Jesus climbed up to a, on a mountaintop and he begins to speak to this crowd that is gathered and in this crowd are many, many hundreds of people that he had healed. People that were curious about his teaching. People that were religious, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the wealthy people, the educated, everybody was there and they were ready because they heard that he was going to announce <laughs> who was going to be invited to the party. He was going to announce, now the Pharisees, they figured, well, we know that we're in. We're religious. We run the temple. We know, we know what we're doing. Of course, we're going to be invited to the party. We're the A-listers. But the other people, the uh, not-so-religious, the brokenhearted, the sad, the lonely, the weak, they're thinking, man, there's no way we're going to be invited to the party. We don't have any way, any standing, any substance. How is Jesus going to invite us to his party? And so Jesus stood up. And he began to read, or he began to share this amazing testimony. Now, he spoke a lot, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. But this morning, I want to begin with how he began with that little thing that we call the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them all. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Picture Jesus on this beautiful hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Blankets and igloos everywhere. People filled with anticipation. People that have been touched and healed. They're wondering who is going to come to the party. Many of them thought, well, the bar is going to be set much higher than me. I don't have much faith. I'm not much of anything. I wonder who Jesus is going to invite to this kingdom party. Present were the religious elite, of course. There was tension, anxiety. There was buzz in the air. Like anticipating being asked to the prom or for a new job. You sit by the phone waiting, wondering, is it going to ring? And then Jesus begins. No opening joke, no warm, fuzzy, personal story. But he begins with one powerful word. Blessed. People knew the word. They knew what it meant. It means divine favor, sacred delight. And the easiest way to remember it, it just simply means happy. Not giddiness or not anything, but it's something deep inside of you that gives you the sense of divine favor. God cares about me. God loves me. God is delighted with me. That's what the word blessed means. Divine favor, sacred delight. So they're thinking, who's going to be invited to the party? Jesus glances out at the 5,000 or more that are gathered in this large assembly. And he notices one person, a person who is uh, broken, a person who is weak, a person who has nothing left in his spiritual bank account, a person who's spiritually impoverished. He has nothing to offer God His pockets are empty. And Jesus looks at him and he said, Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. He looks at another person who is just wounded beyond imagination. A person who feels like they can't even pray because they don't even know if God exists. A person that is lonely and sad and doesn't know what to say or what to do. And Jesus looks at them and said, Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. A shockwave went through the crowd. People who don't measure up are not invited to the party. But people who are spiritually elite should be invited to the party. But instead, Jesus looks at the contrarians, the, the empty morally, the questionable ethically, the rule breakers, the colored outside the lines in life people, the spiritually overdrawn, the destitute, the bankrupt with all the debt that you can never ever repay. Heaven's doors are wide open to you. Not, you're not a model husband. I know you're not a model mother or friend. You are a sinner, but you are invited to the party. The people gasped at what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What? What about the spiritual? What about the religious? What about the wealthy? What about the educated? What about them? Jesus didn't mention them at all. You're invited to the party if you're broken in spirit. You know the type of people that are usually invited to the special parties? (laughs) To the hip parties? You know, you see some of these, like the Oscars and some of those parties. You know, if I went there, I I wouldn't fit in very well. (laughs) I just know that. I mean, I love watching movies and all that, but I just know I wouldn't fit there. I just wouldn't be. Back in the 70s, um, when I was a youth pastor, we used to go to um, 
these nightclubs and uh, bars, and we'd uh, wear, I've, you told you the story before, we'd wear the clerical collars, my, Dennis, my friend and I, to represent uh, Christ, and we'd go into these bars and these uh, places, and we'd just sit there, we'd never bother anybody, we'd sit there and people would come to us and talk to us, that's what we did, we called it Operation Night Watch. And we'd go to these places, and this was the 70s, this was kind of the cool time, right? This was disco. And we'd go to these bars and everything, and there'd be the disco balls, and everybody would have their cool, you know, uh, pants on, and the long sleeve, the shirts, and the, the, you know, the silk shirts, and the, the big bling, and all that. And, and you could tell two guys in jeans and a clerical collar didn't fit. <laughs> we weren't going to be invited to the party. In fact, we were, we were uninvited to many of those parties when we did that. Well, Jesus is doing something radically different. Instead of inviting the people that should be there, the A-listers, right? The people that should be in God's kingdom party. He looks to those who are broken, those who are ordinary, those who have not made any other lists. And he says to them, welcome to the party. The Jews were thinking and the religious people were thinking, how dare he do this? But then Jesus once again scanned the crowd and he noticed someone that was very sorrowful. And he noticed a woman over here that was um, weeping beyond control because she was a widow. She recently lost her husband. Like Stephanie Firth was in our first service. Looked at somebody else and it was obvious that they were in deep heartache. A lost child, a broken marriage, a child in trouble. Sadness beyond belief. Sadness beyond despair. And Jesus looked at that woman who had lost her husband as she looked at those parents who had lost their children and he said, you are invited to the party and you are invited to the party and you are invited to the party. These people had no power stances, no power surges. They had no earthly empires. They were not people given to strength and blowing people away. They were shy and intimidated, mild and unassertive. They don't do well in highly competitive, performance-oriented, highly competitive, uh, high achievers. They weren't the ones who scraped and clawed for everything. They were the people who just sat back and they were the meek and they were the lonely. And Jesus said, blessed are you and you and you. You are invited to the party. And then he looked at another group of people those who had failed miserably, those who had regret written all over their faces, those who had shame in their eyes, those who had failed time and time, not just once, not just twice, but time and time again. But Jesus noticed in these people's hearts that there was a hunger, a thirst for God. There was something deep inside of them that wanted more. They knew that they had failed. They knew that they had not made the mark. They knew that they would not be invited to the party. But Jesus looked at them and he saw the hunger in their eyes and he said, blessed are you and you and you. You are invited to the party. And then Jesus looked at the crowd once again. They were in total shock and awe, not knowing why certain ones were picked and others were not. And Jesus said, listen, the reason you were picked is because I paid the price for your redemption. You who are merciful, you who have been taken advantage of, you who have not always set good boundaries, mercy will be shown to you. 
And he pointed out that you are blessed, that you have received sacred delight, divine favor. You see, in this amazing text in John, or excuse, excuse me, in Matthew 5, in this amazing text, Jesus doesn't talk about how you can have the abundant life. He talks about who is in the abundant life. It's not what you do, but it's who you are. Have you embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you have Him as the one who invites you personally to your party? He said, you and you and you, broken and lonely and sinners all, you are invited to the party of God. Way back in the day when I first started serving my church in San Diego, um, Sherry and I grew up in San Diego, and then we went to seminary in Chicago and came back to our first church in Spring Valley, California, Mount McGill Covenant Church. I'd been a pastor for about a year, uh, just a young man still, but um, trying to find my way. And one day the phone rang in my office. And uh, because we were a small church, I didn't have a secretary, so I picked it up. And, and somebody on the other line said, uh, this is the uh, National Football League team, San Diego Chargers, calling for Reverend Dwayne Cross. I took the point and said, they finally discovered me. <laughs> you know, they finally did. And I thought, oh no, I was not that good in football. That, that's not, that couldn't possibly. So yes, this is Reverend Cross. And they said, we would like to offer you a special invitation to come and teach or preach at the chapel service in September, some Sunday in September, before the San Diego Charger, uh, Seattle, Amer uh, Seattle Mariners, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks football game. And somebody recommended you, and we'd like to ask if you would come and do the chapel. It'll be both teams. They'll all be there. And uh, we'd like you to give a 20-minute devotion and, uh, and, you know, for chapel for the, for the teams. And I said, I'd be honored. So I was so excited, you know, and uh, I got already. And they, this, did, this happened at like 7 o'clock in the morning and because it was good because I had two services at my church, 9 and 1030. And uh, so I went down, I was all excited, and, and I went down and I preached. And afterwards, the coach of the San Diego Chargers, Don Coriel, those of you that know your football and your history, he was also my coach when I was in college at San Diego State. He was the coach at San Diego State when I was in college. So I knew him from those years. I wasn't very good, but uh, he knew me. He remembered me. And he said he was the one that recommended me to do the chapel. So we had a nice little visit. And he said, hey, Dwayne, he said, uh, would you like... Uh, would you like a field pass uh, to the game today? And I almost wet my pants. I almost said the wrong word. I almost said the wrong word. I almost wet my pants. I said, yes, I would love to. And, you know, because I had two services. I said, now if I preach short, I'll get out. Of, okay, yeah, I can make it. One o'clock game, you know. And so, so I was so excited. And so Don Coriel has this field pass, and he puts my name on it, Reverend Dwayne Cross. And down at the bottom, he signs his name. Okay, Don Coriel. And so I come to the field, and, and I, I, I have my Charger jersey on, and, and I've got this, uh, this field pass around my neck. And every time I come to a security guard, there's a guy there, a big burly guy there, trying to stop, looks at the field. Oh, Mr. Cross, uh, you're a friend of, of Coach Coriel. Of course, come right in. And another security guard. And finally, I'm on the field, and I can't believe it. And I'm looking around, and the, the crowd is cheering. They weren't cheering for me, but the crowd was cheering. And it was just awesome, and I was so amazed and this something really dawned on me. I was not there on my own merit. I never earned, I was never good enough to play in the National Football League. I did nothing to earn my way onto the field. But Don Coriel did. He was the coach. And I was there at his 
personal invitation. I was there because of someone else's value. I was there because someone else was special and important. And I was there as his guest. Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been invited to God's party. And it's not because you're good. And it's not because you're sinless. And it's not because you're religious. And it's not because you're the esteemed or the bright or the beautiful or anything else. You are there at the precious and righteous invitation of Jesus Christ. He invites you to come to his party, not because of anything you have done, but because of who he is. You are invited to the party of God. There is an amazing book. Some of you have read it. It's called The Divine Conspiracy. It's written by Dallas Willard, a wonderful theologian. And in this book, The Divine Conspiracy, he talks about those who are invited to the kingdom of God. Those who are invited to Jesus' party. And this is what he writes. It's kind of a paraphrase of the Beatitudes. He said, Blessed are the physically repulsive. Blessed are those who smell bad. The twisted, misshapen, deformed. The too big, the too little, the too loud. The bold, the fat, the old. For they are riotously celebrated in the party of Jesus. Then there are the seriously crushed ones. The flunk outs and drop outs and burned outs. The broke and the broken. The drug heads and the divorced. The HIV positive and the herpes ridden. The brain damaged, the incurably ill. The barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. The overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable. The swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced. The parents with children living on the street. The children with parents not dying in the rest home. The lonely, the incompetent, the stupid. The emotionally starved or emotionally dead and on and on. If it is true that earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal, it is true, he writes. That is precisely the gospel of heaven's availability that comes to us through the Beatitudes. And you don't have to wait until you're dead. Jesus offers to all such people as these the present blessedness of the present kingdom, regardless of circumstances. The condition of life sought for by human beings through the ages is attained in the quietly transforming friends of Jesus. You are invited to the party. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, help us to remember, help us to recall, help us to embrace this truth that we are invited to the kingdom of God, not by anything we have done, not by any accomplishment on our part, but we are invited to the kingdom by your gracious invitation. You invite us because you love us, because you died for our sins, because you created us. You love us and you have invited us to the kingdom. Those who are broken, those who are lonely, those who are sinners, those who have failed in life, those who just don't measure up, you have invited us to the kingdom. Father, 
My heart tells me this morning that there may be those in the service who have never accepted this invitation to live in the kingdom of God. For some reason, they haven't felt worthy enough or they have felt uncomfortable or they have not felt like God cares about them or even knows their name. But Jesus came to tell this truth. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He loves you. He died for your sins, and He is welcoming you and inviting you into the kingdom of heaven. If that's your position today, if you have never by faith received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be welcomed into that kingdom party right now. You don't have to wait till later. You can do that right now. So if that's the posture of your heart, if you would like to pray to receive Christ, would you just pray this simple prayer after me? Not out loud, but in the quietness of your own heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that my life is broken. I know that I'm a sinner. And I pray sincerely with all the faith I can muster to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, to accept His invitation to the kingdom of God, to accept His invitation to be part of this eternal party that we call being one with Christ. I confess my sins. I respond in faith to Jesus, and I invite Him into my life as my Lord and Savior. And this I pray in His precious name. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, I would just like to know if you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love to pray for you. I just ask you simply just to slip your hand up and down very quickly so I acknowledge you if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ today. Would you do that now? Yes, God bless you, honey. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you over here. Yes. Others? Father, we welcome these new brothers and sisters to the party of God. Lord, would you please convict us that somehow we have come to believe that we have to behave a certain way for you to notice us or love us and just recognize that that field pass around our neck is signed with the blood of Jesus, that we are your children, not because of anything we have done, but because what you have done. We welcome these into the family of God today. And Father, now it's our gracious privilege to continue this party by inviting everyone that is here to partake of the table of grace. This joyful act that we call communion is commemorating the death of Jesus Christ who died for our sins on the cross. And as we partake of the bread and drink of the cup, Father, may we recognize that the party of God is for us, and we are welcomed, and we are embraced. Father, thank you, and may we now come to the table of grace, to the party of God that you have set before us. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we invite you to the table. This is the reality of the presence of the kingdom of God today. This is who you are in Christ. You are his children. And so this morning, we invite you to come to the table. The way that we take communion in our church is by taking a piece of bread and dipping it in the cup. It's called intinction and partaking there. 
we also invite you, whether you're a member of our church or not, to come and enjoy this table of grace. It's for all believers, whether you're part of our church or not. And we thank you in advance for what God is going to do in your life to bring him glory. So we invite you to the table of grace, and we invite you now.